Well, at the end of this episode, I go into meditation and centering yourself. This is episode 77 of Psychotherapy. I am Jet Dunlap, your host. Whether it hasn't been easy for me to do this show or whether it has just been hard for me to connect to the part of myself that does this show, meaning physically it's been hard because I haven't been able to find a place or an opportunity to be alone, which I'm sure a lot of you are sharing, or if it's just that I haven't felt whatever it is I need to feel to become centered enough to do this show, that plays into the episode. And uh, with a wild ride that is Jet, uh, like Mr. Toad's at Disneyland, I bet they still have that. I hope they still have that. Well, they're not open. There is no Disneyland <laughs> in the second half of, uh, or the second quarter of 2020. But um, I try and go into, for the most part, what it takes to retune ourselves, to recenter ourselves, to calibrate ourselves, to decompress, to meditate, if you will. But don't get frightened. Don't run away. I'm not going to do a show that talks and uh, have you close your eyes and meditate. I know you're driving. Why are you driving? You have nowhere to go. You don't have a job. There is no job. There is no money. It's 2020. Nothing is nothing. <laughs> but, uh, it's a different perspective, maybe, because it's been a while since I've been doing this, and I've had a lot of things that have been going on, like everyone else. Of course, I feel my situations are so unique, because that is what we all feel. And one of the funny things about the internet, and that makes me sound old, but specifically social media, or the Twitty and the face place, um, is that you'll see something, a meme or something, and you'll be like, I thought I was the only one who felt that way. I saw this meme the other day where it was a guy who was running, and it said, if I don't hit that stop sign before that car, I'll die. And I remember having those weird like phobias or eccentricities or I don't know, what is it? OCD or yeah, OCD where I'd be like, I have to hit that stop sign, run past that stop sign before that car gets there. It kind of, if you use it as a tool, demystifies the human condition in a way where you're like, okay, I've felt that. But then on the other hand, it probably is worse because it also shows you insane people doing insane things that are so counterintuitive that you're like, oh my God, is that humanity? I can't stand humanity. So there's a duality and you just need to use a filter to figure out what side makes sense to you. You know, or not. <laughs> I am coming up on a year next month of this show. And I thought about that right before I recorded this. And there's nothing in the show about this subject. So this is all fresh. Uh, intros have kind of turned into something else, haven't they? But um, I've been thinking about it. And I guess the intro is kind of like the preview to the show, but then also, Jet, don't talk about the intro. Again, no one cares. I wanted to be at 100 episodes before December, and definitely before January, and then definitely before uh, <laughs> a year of doing the show. This is episode 77, and uh, I don't think I'm going to hit 100. You'd think that because I'm home, I'd have a lot more time to do this, but circumstance did not reflect that, and it did not make it possible for me to do the show as regularly as I'd like. And that's just the way it is, as a mentor of mine used to say. And there's nothing I can do about that. But I still want to. And I have to close my eyes, which is the topic of this show, towards the end, of course, because it takes me that long to get the wheels turning and get to the actual topic. But in meditation or decompression, or centering myself, I am half cock smiling because, uh, I don't want to use my whole cocked smile. I don't think that's a thing. But uh, I'm smiling because 
I don't want to say certain words that turn people off to the idea of calibrating themselves. But in this taking a moment, just taking a moment, as uh, millennials would say to their children, does Travers want a moment? Uh, No judgment there. But if you need to take a moment to figure out what's really going on, and in my case, the example was, even though it's not really something that plagues me, that I had a goal that I wanted to hit, and I didn't hit it, which was 100, but I hit 77 right now. And maybe I'll hit 80 before my anniversary of a year of doing this show. And here's the interesting thing about that. Here's a message that wasn't in the rest of the show. Many of us don't do anything because of fear of not hitting the mark they want to. And here's how it'll go. I'll hit the anniversary of my show, and I'll have over 80 episodes. And if I had been afraid of not hitting 100 episodes, I would have never started and I'd have zero episodes. And the distance between zero and 80 in this case, thousand of thousands, not thousand of, thousands of hours. Thousands would mean two thousands. Thousand of hours of time. No. Let's see. I'm not good at math. Have I said that before? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours have been put into this. And uh, (laughs) each episode takes about four or five hours, and I've done 70. Um, Let me figure this out. So if it takes me about five hours to get the episode ready, do the episode, edit the episode, put the episode up, do all the artwork, and it's five hours by the time I do episode 80. And do the math at home. This is not going to be difficult for you. That's 400 hours. So 400s of hours have gone into this. And it would be zero hours if I waited for the perfect situation. And I didn't know that word situation for a second there. It would be zero hours and nothing would have gotten through. And one of the things that I find interesting about this show, and all the late night hosts are complaining about this right now. Don't worry, this is still the intro. All the late night hosts are complaining about how they have no audience. Boo hoo. I've done more than 400 shows as an adult for either YouTube or then this, and uh, I've never had an audience for any of that. And here's something further than that, you little babies like Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, and uh, Seth Meyers, is that I've never seen anyone react to my content. I can't see you reacting to this. I can't watch the people who watched my old shows. And so hearing them complain makes me want to punch them in their hair. But uh, that's just a little gripe, Jetty's gripe. I don't get to see the reaction. So the reason I say that is sometimes it's hard to do this show with all those hours and not see anything, but I do it anyway. And is that all ego, just wanting to hear the sound of my own voice? Or is it that I believe that it'll do some good? Well, I do believe that it'll do some good. I hope it does you some good. And that episode, can't believe it's still the intro, can you? Is going to start right now. So I had this podcast I was doing a second ago that was far more organized and had more of a intention. (laughs) And then I was distracted by someone opening the door to the top floor of this basement, which would be ground level, and coming in and out. So it tripped me up, and I was ready to throw in the towel and quit. But it's been about 10 days since I've done my last podcast. That, again, sounds like a confession. Oh, father, 
It's been 10 days since my last podcast. Oh, give me 10 podcasts and four hallelujahs. It was weak. <laughs> Dusting off the rust, man. But uh, I've oscillated in between frustration, not having anything to do with this situation that is occurring in the second quarter of 2020. I could relate it to that, but my inclination usually is to not make excuses. So the fact that we're dealing with this pandemic, um, I don't let be my reason because I believe that I have set myself up in a way where the exterior events of life and then my life should not affect me uh, in a way that would alter my moods or course. So no excuses for me. But there's been a tension between the in-laws and Gina and uh, some of them and me. And as you know, we live on this kind of compound with four houses. There's plenty of space. I've never lived further away from any house in my life, including when I lived with my parents uh, when I was a kid, than I do here because it's a lot of land. But still, yeah. <laughs> and it's not really the cabin fever because they're home all the time. They've been home uh, for 40 years or something like that. So it's not like they're around more. They are doing more activities and we've had more interaction. And you're thinking, you know, in-laws are always like that. If you knew mine, you would be uh, surprised, to say the least, if you hear my smile. They are a little different. In any event, I have been working on and through some situations that uh, have forced me to go to a deeper place. And so I'm listening to my books on hypnosis listening to my books on self-meditation, which is the exact same thing. There's no difference. I'm doing more research into quantum physics. All of this I said I'd talk about, I probably said like 20 episodes ago, that I talk about this at a later date. It's so complex and uh, kind of spirituality 2.0 or maybe even 4.0. I don't know what the end point oh is. So if 10.0 is the end, it's probably like 8.0. Um, the reason I know or have been thinking in that kind of context is I got Gina a book to read on quantum physics, spirituality, collapsing quantum atoms into a material future or a path in the universe you can take. And it's basic. It doesn't sound basic, but it is. And the reason is whenever she listens to Eckhart Tolle, she just can't take it. It's definitely not for beginners. The reason it kind of ended up being for beginners at the beginning, back at the uh, end of the 90s, from what I understand, looking at my history books, because I'm 30 years old, um, was because there wasn't a lot of material out there like that. So the people who are searching out books on spirituality already had a really good understanding or fundamental baseline. And so when Gina listens to it, Eckhart will just be like, drop the ego. The ego does you no good. Just put the ego away. It's a horrible Eckhart Tolle voice. He doesn't give explanation that has to do with context in your day-to-day life. And he doesn't make it colorful. He doesn't use a lot of fun analogies. He usually speaks to monks and the Bible. And uh, that is not for everyone. But because I've been going further into that in my own studies to be able to teach it, which is another thing, when you're learning to learn, you do it one way. I never was able to learn to take a test, meaning that I was never able to just take in information that was on a Monday and then take a test on a Friday. I couldn't do that short-term memorization. So anything I learn, I have to learn permanently because it's long-term, that's the only memory that I can fill. So when I listen to something, usually on audiobooks, I will listen to it like six or seven times. So I'm at the beginning of this book I've already heard, 
uh, and I've done the first half like six or seven times, I think about seven times. So I say that to say that now that I'm looking at it from a standpoint of trying to teach on some of this eternal knowledge, I, uh, I really have to listen. And I have to listen with the teacher's brain. And I'm not speaking like teachers of college and high school and grade school. We all know I hate them for the most part. I'm sure that my listeners who are teachers are wonderful, great people and an exception to the rule. But for the most part, those people are just people who are power hungry, couldn't find it in the real world. So they want to dominate and crush the lives of 30 to 40 people just to make themselves feel bigger, usually because they don't have enough power in their uh, home life. Because you know how I feel about teachers, even though a lot of my family are teachers. And I'm smiling again, because this is, I don't like the word pet peeve. It's a buggery boo for me. It's a buggery boo. They, uh, a buggery boo, a buggery boo, because they, uh, they abused me and really made me hate life for a long time when I was a kid. And uh, <laughs> clearly, that is a grudge I'm not over. Again, most of it is anecdotal. But still, I think that this country has a long way to go. And I believe that this virus may shake that up a bit. I am not allowed to spend any time on that. So in any event, I have been meditating and doing guided meditation and really focusing on body awareness and a bunch of other new agey sounding stuff that uh, when I say it out loud, that like I'm a sober vegetarian who meditates every day, living in a house that's solar powered. It is funny (laughs) how I think that my neutral brain is this 20 year old version of myself thinking, really? But then again, that was what Brad Pitt was when I was working on the, well, no, can't say I was working on the set of Friends, when my alter ego was working on the set of Friends, and I used to see Brad Pitt, and he was married to Jennifer Aniston, and uh, I'd have the rare occasion to be outside with them, but not me, of course, I'm talking about transcendental uh, meditation, where I'm becoming someone else. Let's call that guy Jeremy. When I go inside the head of this guy's life, I'm able to see that I had these conversations with Brad Pitt back in the early 2000s, and... uh, And he was kind of in that place, meditation. I think it's kind of a thing that occurs. I was doing it in my 20s, but something, of course, I'm in my 30s. Something that occurs at some point in your life where you have to make contact. Now, I've done it for a long time. For the last 10 years, I've been in this kind of off-the-grid mode, and and it's worked for me. Sometimes. I mean, when you come face-to-face with yourself, which is what you are forced to do if you have no children, you don't have a disruptive spouse, meaning Gina's not in my face. Her neutral position is to be quiet. So for 10 years, not having a job that defines me, not having children that define me, not having a passion that defines me, I always tried to find that. I was a runner for a long time, but I never thought of it as a defining characteristic because my passion was always elsewhere, but I was never able to practice my passion. Or I can't put my entire self into my work because it doesn't seem that that industry wants to allow me in. Uh, in the past. doesn't seem to allow me in in the past. Well, that's just facts. That's how it was. I stay moment focused. And in the present moment, nothing is keeping me from everything because I'm doing exactly what I need to be doing right now or I wouldn't be doing it. That little hiatus did give me a little 10-year hiatus, mini retirement. I worked a lot, probably worked a lot more than How do I put this? If you were someone who wasn't me, which everyone who is listening to this is, you all are not me. Um... I do listen to this, so I guess one of the people who listens to this is me. Enough, Jet. Enough. If you were not me, which most of you are, you would probably think I work a lot. Uh, We've been completely rebuilding, redesigning our exterior area, doing some amazing landscaping, moving tons and tons and tons of dirt. There's not a time during the six hours of the day where I can do it 
where there's not sawdust or different kinds of tools you've never even heard of unless you're in construction, which you have. I've done some amazing custom woodwork. I think I should make it the image of this show. Some custom woodwork that formed, conformed, formed wood to rock. And so I would take and cut and saw and file and sand the wood to fit precisely to the contours of this rock. Because I always liked the idea of when I would go to old uh, mining towns, these old west mining towns in the mountains, and I'd see this woodwork that took so much detail. And some of it is because over the years it has just been pressed into a crevice and it has this mold. But I've always liked wood that forms around rock. But I've been spending a lot of time on that to say that I do a lot of work, but not like a day job. It's funny because most of your day job day is probably not working, but you have to be there, whereas I don't. So it's given me a lot of time to reflect and eventually make a show where I just talk into a microphone when I'm allowed to about my thoughts and feelings. So what's the, uh, what's the overall theme of this episode, Jet? Well, meditation is something special. And it's a dirty word for most people because it takes effort. Just like when I used to say, you can make a list, but I don't want to make you make a list because I don't like the books that say, now you must write this. But uh, five minutes, and if not five minutes, two minutes, and if not two minutes, 30 seconds. When I used to do sales uh, and I had high commission quotas and in that world, you have three months of not hitting quota and then you're fired. And I lived on my own in my 20s and then again in my 30s when I was trying to make, well, trying to get promoted at the corporate world I was in. I would do this quick little meditation to center myself because I'd get like 60, 70 emails a day. I'd be wanting 900 different directions and I still had to maintain a sales team. And before that, when I was my own salesperson and I was just making my own quota, there was no one else looking out for my interest in myself. So I had to stay kind of centered. I still had all the issues that I do neutrally whether it's nature or nurture, but the things that have plagued me since I was a kid, and then other things that have bothered me as I've gotten older. So what I would do is I'd grab the doorknob of my house um, on the inside of the door, the apartment, and I'd put my right hand around the doorknob, and I'd get in a crouch, and I'd close my eyes, and then I'd rest my head on the crook of my arm. The reason I do this is because it was right before I left, uh, in the case when I lived by myself, obviously no one could see me, and when I lived with Gina, she was usually at work or sleeping because I'd go to work earlier, and I would just close my eyes, and see what I saw, which is those little stars or whatever's on the inside of your eyelids. But then I'd like focus on it as if I'm like the Millennium Falcon going through, um, what is that? Hyperspeed, right? Yeah, hyperspeed. And I just think about nothing and then I'd concentrate and then I'd, it would seem like a prayer, but prayer and intention are the same thing. So I just feel what I want to feel for that day, wish or pray or intend what I intended for that day and just take that moment of silence and focus internally. And sometimes I'm sure that was 30 seconds. It felt like about 10 minutes. Sometimes I'm sure it was five minutes, but that would center me. And when you do it, even if it is for a moment, and you know, I like running, I, I like walking and all those things are great, but there's something about closing your eyes when you're not sleepy, because <laughs> that doesn't count. That's called sleeping or a nap. That's called napping. Closing your eyes and focusing internally, you would be amazed how much it changes things, how it's this kind of reset. The other day, I was very frustrated with someone who lives near me, whose name shall not be named, um, but let's just say it's Tina's mother. I was very frustrated, with good reason, and uh, 
instead of, you know, this is such simple stuff. You want to do this when you're a kid, but it's simple and it works. I went over and I thought, okay, what is this about? What's going on? I sat down in my new backyard area. I looked up at this beautiful mountain, or not mountain, but it's this rock face that's in my backyard. I closed my eyes. I didn't think about the situation. I just closed my eyes and tried to think about nothing, which is very difficult for me, but I did it. And uh, it retuned me. And when I get out of those modes, when I stand up and walk away from whatever you want to call it, focusing internally, or again, so much of this is determined by language. If you think meditation, you probably think of some yogi up in you know Tibet. Or if you think of prayer, you probably think of someone on their knees in church. Um, what it is is just connecting with your inner self. And what is your inner self? It's the part of you that thinks, it's the part of you that feels. If an instrument needs to be tuned, if everything you ever work with needs some kind of calibration, why shouldn't we? And that's all it is, calibrating yourself. But when I do this, eventually I want to do it for a longer period of time because I think the transformative effect will be more dramatic. But even when I do it for a short period of time, I'm able to look at this situation from a perspective that I wouldn't have been able to if I hadn't done it. And that's key. And it's not about the idea. I mean, this is a secondary thing. If you do this, you're less apt to react impulsively. If you do this, you're probably more able to manifest the things you want in life. You pray for something, you get it. You uh, set intention, you get it. What I'm trying to get you guys to focus on is just that it's something that can put you back together. I'm sure right now, many of you are feeling separated from yourself. My mind is here, here, here. And what you need to do is bring your mind here to the center. Because that's where all the work gets done. If you're over here and you're over here, then it leaves nothing. You're split. You're working on your kids on this side. You're trying to help your spouse out. You're trying to do your job. Focus on the task at hand. Focus on the thing in front of you. Don't neglect the things you need to do later, but let them come in the time they're intended. A lot of this has to do with scheduling, but if you can do scheduling, and that sounds like a dirty word too, maybe it's just throw, putting it on a post-it, putting it in a, uh, a calendar. Some of you may not need it because it's whatever day of the week, I'm just home. But uh, you'd be amazed how these small little things will tune you to a new frequency that will create a far more realistic interaction with the world. And in my episode that, there's always an episode that I don't air. And I think that most people in their books, novels or biographies, scripts, they don't write or talk about their first draft. But I do all the time. Because <laughs> I, I, you know, I just always have to tell you guys what's going through my head. I don't always have to, but it ends up happening anyway. So let's call it always. But in my other one, I was talking much more about what's going on in the world right now. And... It's all going to come from you connecting with you. And the more I would want to instruct to principles that are fundamental, I could get some of you. But if you look to yourself for guidance, then you will get the best. The best advice, the best help. And that's got to be the goal to find something in yourself that is going to give you what it is you need and want. Clearly, I have very little left to say. I'm not on my medication right now. 
I'm in a basement and I'm really trying not to listen to the words and conversations and power tools outside. And I was going to just walk away and not finish, but I finished. Whatever it is you're doing in your life right now, take a breath, take a second, decompress, connect with yourself. That is my advice. I am Jet Dunlap. This is Psychotherapy. Thank you for listening.